Don't call it a comb back, I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. The world is run by computers. The world is run by robots. And sometimes they ask us if we're a robot just because we're trying to log on and look at our own stuff. This is the Press Box. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. If you keep having me sign in and saying, are you a robot? I got to pick out like the stoplights. I got to pick out the freaking trees. I got to pick out all these crosswalks. I just want to know when my damn Dodger gear is on the way. All right. With Grainy and Bischoff. Passwords have passed. You've correctly guessed. But now it's time for the robot test. On ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, I still want gear. I still want gear. I know what's happened the last two nights. Eventually, these guys will get to that, and there'll be a bunch of highlights, I'm sure. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared on a Wednesday. Uh-oh, VGK. The first bite. Where the bleep is Mark Stone? Is he on the horizon, too? <laughs> he might be out on the horizon in Kauai, at Kauai. So, maybe in Maui. Mark Stone doesn't have a point in this series. We are five games in to a semifinal for the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the Golden Knights' best player does not have a point. But it's it's more than that, because in hockey, the actual goal scoring can be pretty random, and you can play well and still not really pick up a point, right? Sure. You can have sure. a goaltender make a great save. Your teammate yeah. can blow a shot or something. You can play yeah. well. But Mark Stone in the last two games has one total shot on mm-hmm. goal. And even worse, this entire series, five games against the Montreal Canadiens, Mark Stone's expected goal rate is 34.8%. Mm-hmm. It's the worst of any player in the series. And this is Mark Stone, who for the last two and a half years since he's been with the Golden Knights, his expected goals rate has been among the top 10 in the league. Mm -hmm. He's pushing or over 60% every single year in expected goals rate. And now in this series, it's Montreal who's at 65% expected goals when Mark Stone's on the ice. they, They do not get shots. They do not get chances when he's on the ice. And they give them up the other way. It's unreal how bad their best player has been. Yeah. He's not he's not good. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, DeBoer, I think it was like four or five days ago, someone started asking about the top six because they hadn't done anything in the first few games. And I mean, he, you're right. And, and he's right in that. Uh, often you go through stretches where it's hard. I mean, look at Connor McDavid in the playoffs. I mean, the best player in the world. We saw what happened with McKinnon after the first game. They go through droughts. It just happens. Um, so he's going through that. But. And this was talked about after the game last night. This was talked about. We all wrote about it. It's one thing not to score. I get that. The shots are very strange. He's not even getting shots on net. But he is frustrated. And the one play everyone pointed to last night was when Suzuki stripped him at the blue line. And then so Montreal has a rush the other way. If you go back to that video, Mark Stone is supposed to be back-checking, obviously. And, and, and someone got it. it has to get to Cole Caulfield. Mark Stone... Literally, like slowly skated yep. back with his stick in the air. It was like he was he was going around the ice after a win, holding his stick in the air. That was the weirdest. No back checking, no effort. And what happens? Uh, Perry makes a great drop past the Coalfield. There's no one around him. One timer past Flurry. Flurry's not going to stop that. It's just you know, he's not going to stop that that close. So, and we played that video up in the press box and we're watching it. 
And Dave Shane, I mean, he made a great point is that, you know, that kind of play is, I don't know if they'll do it because it's their captain. Usually that will be shown the next day and that guy will get a lot of grief from people. And I don't know if they'll do that with him, but you show that on tape today or whenever, there's a horrible lack of effort. And it has to be, look, he's their best player, highest paid player. He Nobody wants to win more than him. We've seen it throughout his time here. He's completely passionate about winning and other people succeeding. But that play was a total example of immense frustration. He is frustrated. And it, it makes no sense because we, like, the second the Golden Knights acquired Mark Stone, the first game he played in, every single person could tell, oh, he's good. Like, yeah, oh, he's yeah. he's the best he's player the best on player. this team. The first game he played in, it was, oh, this, this guy's the best player on the team. And we've for two and a half years, we've seen that. Like, last year against Vancouver and Dallas, when the Golden Knights couldn't score, Mark Stone's, like, his his Corsi and his expected goals were still good. Like, they were still, like, good when he was on the ice. They just couldn't finish in most of those games. Right. It's not happening in this one, and that's bizarre. And then that specific play, first off, for him to lose the puck through the neutral zone. Suzuki got him, yeah. That He does not do that no, very no. often. Now, he's done it quite a bit in the last yeah. couple of games. But that's not something we ever see as other people take the puck from no, Mark Stone. No, his reputation is some of the best hands in the league, right. best stick in the league. You don't get it from him. Yeah, he takes it from other people. And then to not back check is something that like that Ryan was... Reeves would get criticized yeah. for, right? That's a Ryan Reeves play right. where it's lost in the neutral zone and you're just, eh, whatever, my defensemen right. have got it. Flurry will make a save. For Mark Stone, it's, again, for two and a half years, we have seen Mark Stone, A, not even lose the puck, but B, if a teammate does... He's one of the guys getting back to right. stop the play, to stop the other team from scoring. And he did. It's so everything about this series and Mark Stone is the exact opposite player we've seen for two and a half years. And it's it's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing you said. It's, it's mostly the, the thing that was, I think, frustrating uh, for him and I think anybody to watch him is, look, he's never going to be. You know, he's never going to be mistaken for the greatest skater, the fastest skater in the NHL. But effort's never been an issue. No. He makes up for let's say his lack of elite elite skating with effort and, you know, he plays as hard as he, like I said, he wants to win more than anyone. Someone else scores. He's the one going crazy. We know about his own celebrations. That one play said, boy, this guy's frustrated. I mean, this guy has, I don't know if he's lost it. I don't know if he's just kind of saying he's so frustrated that he's not doing anything that he's showing that kind of lack of effort. I don't know what it is, but that was, that was something you could see. You and I talked about this before. Like I always laugh when, you know, you vote for these all Americans or all leagues. People say, oh, it's, you know, he's a horrible offensive tackle. And you're like, you're not really watching him. He has to do something really bad, like, for you to say, boy, that was a bad play. On most plays, like with offensive linemen in those kind of positions, you can't really gauge effort. You're just not. That play gauged effort. Like, you watch that play over, it's like, there is no effort there. And when it's, and I'm sorry, when it's your best and highest paid player, he needs to be criticized for that. I mean, it's one thing, like yeah. you said, you're missing shots and you can't, whatever. I mean, that happens. He's, you have a great goalie on the other side. That's going to happen. I mean, Price is playing really, really well. And maybe they go tomorrow and lose because he plays well again. Who knows? But when you don't back check like that or you don't have any kind of reaction to Suzuki stripping you at the blue line, that's not good. No. Like, that's like, okay, are you still into this thing? Or are you just so frustrated that, you know, you're kind of letting up here? And the other problem for the Golden Knights is outside of maybe Alex Petrangelo, n- nobody else is, like, really picking up the slack. No. Like, because part of the Golden Knights, like, part of what makes them good is they've got, got a lot of guys. We think they have depth anyway. And so if, conceivably, if Mark Stone is not playing well, if Mark Stone is not having a well, good then, series, 
you should Carlson have other guys or Marsha So or but that hasn't happened. You know, Patrietti yeah. or now Stevenson. Like, it hasn't happened at all. Tuck. I Alex mean, nobody. Tuck hasn't done anything, right? It's outside of Alex Petrangelo. Nobody else has really. I guess Nick Waugh scored a couple of goals in yeah. the series, but outside of Petrangelo, you haven't really gotten anything. And like the best players on this team have not been good. And I think there's there's a couple reasons offensively here is. A, Montreal does a really good job of of slowing the Golden Knights down through the neutral zone. zone. They couldn't get going last night at all. There are no, like, odd man rushes for the Golden Knights, but maybe more importantly, the Golden Knights can't really carry the puck in. It's kind of similar to what we talked about the Golden Knights did to Colorado, where they don't let you carry it in. Right. And so, it, you know, Alex Tuck is one of the guys that's the best at it on the team, where he can carry it in. It doesn't even have to be an odd man rush. But he can carry it in, get past a defenseman, and now you've got a high danger chance because Alex Tuck was able to skate right to the front of the net. That's not happening in this series. But even when they do get it in, right, if they have to dump it in or whatever, even when they do get it into the zone, Montreal is, you know, effectively packing the slot. They're they're not going to let you get good opportunities in front of Carey Price. So the Golden Knights, and this is some of what Pete DeBoer wants them to do anyway, but all they can do is take shots from the point. That, that's part of the reason why Alex Petrangelo looks like the best player on the team because that's the only offense they can generate when they're set up in the offensive zone is, okay, well, we passed it back to the point and Petrangelo ripped one at the net. That's all they can do. So Montreal is doing a very good job of, like, you know, slowing down the Golden Knights. And so when Stone's awful, the Carlson line's not doing anything. Alex Tuck and the third line aren't doing anything. And outside of Petrangelo, you're not really getting a ton from Shea Theodore either. So... It's you look around and you say Stone's Stone's sort of the the flag bearer of this, where he's been awful. He's the one that should be highlighted, right? He's the best player and he's playing the worst. But it it goes beyond that. It's like if Mark Stone was the only problem, the Golden Knights would be fine in the series, but he's not. Well, sure. No, if the top six other than him are doing something, then the series might be over. Yeah. It might be over. Um Yeah. <laughs> It, it, everything you said is true. I do want to say, like, and I think you said it there because this gets a little lost when you you cover one team, and this is kind of what we focus on because of the team in town. But you have to also tip your cap to Montreal. I mean, they're they're doing a really nice job. You don't want to completely let them, you know, you don't want to completely go all Golden Knights. They now should the Golden Knights be figuring it out more? Yes, but they're obviously playing into what Montreal wants them to play into. So you have to give Montreal some credit. I think the goalies played really well. Um, but for the most part, you have to figure this out better than they have figured this out uh, in terms of adjusting or whatever you have to do. Hockey's weird, you know, this in terms of like one game to the next. Like I said, I mean, I don't know if it's going to happen, but we're, you know, we're not falling off our chairs here. If next Monday we're opening up with a one in game seven, not who knows? I mean, it, it's, you know, you mean one game, Stone could have a goal and two assists tomorrow night and be their best player. I mean, it's, it's, it's hockey. But for now, right now, going there, I know they say they're confident, and I know they say they've had adversity and they faced elimination before. That's all good, but you better change how you play because if you go in there tomorrow night and play like you did last night, then it is over. Mark Stone's the best skater in this series. He's been the worst player in the series, but Mark Stone's the best skater in this series. And it wouldn't be that shocking if Mark Stone actually played like the best player in the series for the last two At any time, he can do that. The Golden Knights are better than Montreal. Yeah. Like, they're down 3-2 in this series, and Montreal is frustrating the hell out of them. The Golden Knights are a better team than the Canadians. Like, if... If at any point during the season you said all you have to do is beat the Canadians twice in a row and you're going to be in the Stanley Cup final, every single person would sign up for that because the Canadians weren't actually very good this year. They're on the verge, which would be really weird. They're on the verge of losing a semifinal for the second straight year where they have been favored in every game. Yeah. They were favored in every game against Dallas. Were they losing five? Uh, Yeah, they lost in five. 
they'll have been favored in every game in this series, including tomorrow night, I'm sure. I mean, it might be a small favorite after last night is on the road. And they're in danger of losing to worse teams in a series they've been favored in every game in the semifinals. Now think about that. And this year's worst. Like Dallas was at least a decent team last year. Dallas had one of the top four records in the West going into the playoffs. Montreal had the 18th best record in hockey this year. 18th. They, they, they lost more games than they won. The Canadians this year, if you include regular season and postseason, if they win tomorrow or tomorrow in tomorrow. game six and then sweep the Stanley Cup final, they will be have as many wins as losses the entire season. I think they have a better chance of tomorrow night of winning than sweeping Tampa Bay. <laughs> <laughs> but what but what that means, the Montreal Canadiens can win the Stanley Cup while losing more games than they won over the course of the entire season. Because if they if they lose one more game but win the Stanley Cup, they will have they guarantee that they will have more losses than wins over the course of the entire season. That's how that's like how a ridiculous that it is that the Canadians even got this far that they even got out of the north uh, side of the playoffs and how ridiculous it is that the Golden Knights are losing to this team and that Mark like Mark Stone is bad against a bad team like it's not like if you're the Avalanche right you're sitting at home right now at least you can take some solace in the fact that oh the Golden Knights tied us for right. the most points in the NHL yeah they're a good team a good team shut down the Colorado Avalanche right. if you're the Golden Knights right now. This is a bad team that you're losing to that Mark Stone can't do anything against, right? Like, that's not great if you're the Golden Knights. Like, I don't know how you evaluate that at the end of the year where it's like, well, we got to the Final Four, but... Well, and that's going to be, I think, maybe not directly after tomorrow night if they lose, but there'll be obviously exit interviews and interviews, I'm sure, with McCrimmon and DeBoer. I'm going ahead of myself because, like I said, they could win the next two games. But I think the very first question will be... You went back-to-back losses to teams you're better than in the semifinals, so now let's talk about what what changes you're going to make because you can't stay status quo. You can't lose those two series back-to-back and say, we're fine, we're not going to do anything. No, you can't. Can't do that. This will be a a Friday and next week conversation if they do in fact lose. If they lose tomorrow night on what they have to do. Yeah, what's wrong with the team in the playoffs is basically going to be the question. Why are you a regular season juggernaut, but this keeps happening in the playoffs to you? All right, coming up next. We'll get into some Major League Baseball. You want to talk about the A's coming or uh, the Padres? Pitch. Hit on the ground at third. Ashella steps on the back. Goes to second. Two. On to first. A triple play. A triple play. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. That was a triple play turned against your Las Vegas A's. Um, We could talk about the A's being here, Ed, but I think I'd rather talk about Clayton Kershaw. He got mad last night. I I mean, I'm watching the Golden Knights game, so my buddies and I've got 10... 10 Dodger fans at least the night that text me. So I knew there's I actually, 10 of you. There's oh, yeah. 10 of you. throwing oh, yeah. remotes At, at, the at least, at least oh, not a lot God. of them live here. So they text me. Outside. But I actually said, I was watching the golden Knights. I forgot it. You know, it even started. And one of my buddies, like, you know, first Urias, that bum last night. Now Kershaw, I'm like, Oh my God, how many did you give up? Like, I didn't know. Like, cause Urias had given up four the night before. I'm like, and then I clicked on the score. I'm like, oh, it's only two. So I'm like, it couldn't be that bad. And then, he must have pitched well the rest of the way because they lose 3-2, so it's not like he went crazy. He gave up a couple home runs, I saw. Kim and Cronworth, I think. But um, I and So then you see someone from San Diego, some uh, buffoon out there, uh, who I also knew is a Padre fan. Did he go into the dugout and kick stuff? I did not see that. He said, There was a screenshot of him 
in the dugout, I think, after giving up the two-run home in the first, like, kicking things. I did so, not I see that. Who knows? Um, you know what I did see? One, Clayton Kershaw set season lows in spin rate for his slider, four-seam fastball, and curveball. Just a coincidence. First uh, game he pitches with the umpires checking. Also, um, he's getting older. Yeah, exactly. You should uh, take a look at the back of Clayton Kershaw's hat from last night. It's a clean? Spotless. Well, he didn't sweat as much. Spotless it's, it's, it's hat. Six, listen, I'm from San Diego. I'm sure. Wait, well, hold on. It's the day ends in Y. It was like 68 degrees. And I know this because if Spotless. it ends in Y, it's 68 degrees. It wasn't hot like it is this here. This man has been pitching with a giant brown spot on the back <laughs> of his hat his entire career. <laughs> And the excuse you have you have talked more about Clayton Kershaw's hat than I have Deuce. Yeah, yeah you have talked about Clayton Kershaw's hat so much on this show. Have you seen the hat? I was watching the Golden Knights last night. Spotless. <laughs> this and the excuse was well, he wears the it, same it hat was all season. Shiny and new, like a trash dirty. can. He was wearing a brand new hat. Just <laughs> a coincidence. The first day that umpires are checking. Are you telling Mrs. Kershaw didn't switch up the car, the credit cards the day before, and Clayton was able to get his own hat? Because if he so, got your hat. Yeah, you tried yeah, to you order. Yeah, that damn Kershaw. Clayton you made two hundred million dollars. Uh, Spin rate down. Clean hat. Are we sure Clayton Kershaw hasn't been cheating this entire time? I don't think we're sure anybody hasn't been cheating the entire time. I think we're pretty well, sure. I'm actually DeGrom. pretty sure Degrom has, but I think he's just a freak of nature. I just like, think Degrom. He's just like the modern, yeah. the modern games. There's certain Maddox. guys. There's certain guys we talked about the other day. You, if they all cheat, you don't want to cheat. Like I don't want Degrom ever to be found out because he's so amazing. You know what I mean? Like in your mind, like please make sure, please make sure that this guy's natural. Like just make sure that because he's complete freak of nature. Are the Dodgers ever going to beat the Padres? They they beat him earlier this year. They're fine. Are they fine? Muncy's back yesterday. Soft Bellinger's coming back today. He'll he'll hurt himself and be out tomorrow. <laughs> Seager's already taken <laughs> Seager's taken live batting practice. Within ten days, the entire lineup except May because he's out for the year will be back and it'll be fine. It's not even the All Star break yet. Can I give you a stat though to be to make you worried? Oh, I'm sure I don't think I'll be worried. I'm but sure you'll give dismiss me a stat. it. Anyways. I'm not gonna be worried. So uh, record against teams. Above five hundred. Oh, I've I've had the stats sent to me in Dodgers direct message. Dodgers are fifteen message. and twenty this yeah. year. Well, I've had direct messages from Padre fans. You can only beat bad teams. Like it's the schedule. What are they supposed to do? Lose to Arizona because it's a bad team? Well, you could beat some of the good teams. Oh, maybe once. we'll that get healthy once help. in a while. Muncy, Bell, Soft Bellinger, Cody Seager. I will say that there's an article from MLB.com that says uh, Degrom. Basically, finding extra speed at his age <laughs> is unprecedented. He is like thirty-two. Has he? Oh, he no. He was no. the first one they checked. He, well, he, he, he was the first one. He they was checked. the first okay. pitcher to pitch when okay. they started they checking. Well, okay, on but he he threw ninety-six his entire career. And now he's a one hundred and one. Yeah, but it's not speed. No, it's like the the spin the, rate. The spider speed. attack doesn't actually yeah. help your speed. It's spin, spin rate. rate. Like your spin rate can go through the roof and your your miles per hour doesn't actually change. Because all spin rate does, it doesn't it maybe, doesn't make maybe, maybe he's just juicing. It doesn't make <laughs> the ball go faster. He it has makes good it, old fashioned roids. It makes the ball drop less, right? It makes it go higher or yeah. look yeah. like it's going higher in the zone, which is physically impossible. That's why that's why it's such a big deal. Like when Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole were, came to the Astros, both of them were like, Oh, we're just gonna throw our fastball up in the zone. Because they were probably cheating, and everybody swung under it, right? And they just became power pitchers that threw it past you at the top of the zone. And you couldn't do anything about it, right? That was it. So that's what DeGrom is doing, but it's not 
but he's doing with miles per hour, he's not doing necessarily spin rate. I think like I think people have shown like his spin rate hasn't changed throughout his career. Which is right. How the hell did he get the miles per hour? Though? <laughs> he jumped. He yeah. jumped three and a half right. miles an hour at Jared, age thirty-two. Jared's right. Like everyone else is worried about spin rate. He's like, they'll just juice it up and go to one hundred and one. <laughs> but and now they're not even checking for juice they're anymore. Not. It's like it's like you know we we went through the steroid era. We've already checked on that. So Degrom's like, I'll just go back to that stuff, and they can worry about these dudes over here spinning the ball. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll just throw past people at 101 miles an hour. He's bringing back the steroid era. Yeah, Jacob DeGrom by himself hey, is bringing back the steroid era. He's also hitting a lot of diggers. It's true. <laughs> nah, that's the other thing he can hit. He's in over 400 on the year. Guys like the best met with runners in scoring position this year. They start pinch hitting with him. Like I said, uh, I know we're going to get to this with Scherzer, but I'm not going to be surprised if Bauer gets naked on the mound. If they say we're about to check, he's the only guy I think who would completely take off his clothes just to give the big, like the big frog you to everybody. It's like, all right, here we go. I mean, he's Bauer's not a stupid guy. He's not going to go out there today with anything. He knows he'll be. I mean, he'll be checked before he even gets to the mound. Like uh, Trevor, let's just get this over with. We're not going to wait for you to pitch. This is the only time that I've actually been sad that the Dodgers no longer have a player because I believe Kiki Hernandez, while that is going on, would be doing like cartwheels yes. behind him. He's or something. disturbed enough to be doing crazy stuff behind him. So he yeah. might, he might like. Well, Trevor Bowers taking off his shirt, also take off his shirt uh, and I'll, just be like, I'll just say they could lose tonight and still have gone into San Diego and out of San Diego, still ahead of the Padres in the standings. Oh, so boy. there's nothing, you know. What well, are you gonna you're going to be like five and a half back of the Giants or something, right? No, what they're only three back now. Oh, okay, you'll be four back of the Giants. Division. We're all uh, excited about these damn I'll Padres, Dodgers, and the I'll Giants are going to run away with the division because the Padres really can't hit. They they have games where they do. I'll leave it at this. The I'm Padres far, I'm hit. far more worried. I'm far more worried that, and I'm pretty sure I'm right on this, that the, I'm more worried that the Giants aren't going away than the Padres. The Giants, to me, like, I keep waiting for they're them good. to go away. They don't appear to be going away. They appear to be like, all right, they're in it to the end. That worries more me more than the Padres. They're good. Padres, the Giants? Yeah, Padres have some flaws. Yeah, no, the Giants are good. That's, I mean, that's the thing. The Giants I are really good. the that's Giants the have flaws, too. But, but as where are been, they? Have we've been corrected in the past? Yeah, where are they? I don't one know. loyal Giants listener. I, Posey's 65, <laughs> and he's like the MVP. I mean, it's like, where are what's happening they with don't, these guys? They don't have a lot of power, but they score oh, so like, many runs. Yeah, like last night, it's like, oh, Dodgers are down two. Oh, they're going to drop a game because the, you know, the Giants are 4-0 and hitting in the first. I'm like, my God, nobody can beat these guys. All right, coming up next, Albert Hall joins us from the NBA Summer League as it's back in Vegas for the summer. Can you tell us that Ben Simmons will be a 76er next season? We have a very strong group we believe in. Um, there's None of us can predict the future of what's going to happen in any, in any place. Um, we love what Ben brings. We love what Joel brings. We love what Tobias brings. Um, in terms of what's next, we're going to do what's best uh, for the 76ers to give us the best chance to win the championship with every single player on the roster. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. When did Pete DeBoer become coach of the uh, 76ers? <laughs> Joining us now, one of the founders of the Summer League is Albert Hall. Albert, how are you this hey, morning? Albert. I'm doing great, guys. It's a pleasure to be on this morning. Excited to be back. Yeah, so I do I do want to ask you, obviously, Summer League gets wiped out last year because the NBA comes back to finish the playoffs after the Summer League would have normally happened. Was, was there any point, like, what was your worry that there might not be a Summer League this year either? 
Yeah, I mean, we were always worried, just like everybody else, to get things back on track and back to normal. And, you know, we always kept the, kept the faith. As you guys know, we started in a, a tiny little gym with six handshakes and a box of flyers. So we always held out the uh, hope and optimism. But, you know, once the, the season got back going, playoffs started to open up a little bit. We felt pretty good about it, and the NBA gave us a sign-off. So we'll be back August 8th. Albert, can you take us through what, if any, and whether you've announced it or you've increased it, protocols? I mean, how how different, if at all, will the summer league look this year comparative to past seasons? You know what? We're trying to keep it as similar as possible. Obviously, that's still kind of a fluid situation with just to make sure we can open up and do the things that everybody expects from summer league. Um, I'm very confident that the, the seating arrangement, uh, you know, on the, the lower level and uh, throughout the bowl will all be the same other than a, a little buffer zone behind the, the player benches, which you're seeing in the playoffs right now. But, I mean, if you looked at Phoenix or Philadelphia or some of these teams that were in, uh, in the playoffs right now, you know, they're, they're opening up more and more every game, and we're hopeful that that's, that's the same way. Um, you know, obviously we follow what the Knights have been doing, too, with the, in Vegas and all the protocols, and that everything's back open 100%. So we're, we're really optimistic that you'll see kind of a similar footprint. Obviously, the summer league has exploded in Las Vegas. It's been extremely popular every summer for the last few years. It, you expecting that same level for this year, that same level of attendance and excitement that you've had in the past? Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm still bouncing off the valley oop from last night and seeing <laughs> the NBA action. I mean, we're really excited. We think everybody has that. You know, Vegas, I, I truly believe Vegas has some of the best NBA fans in, in the country. I mean, through summer league and, and those They've reached out to us. We've heard from a ton of people how excited they are to be back. And we, we anticipate, you know, packed houses. Uh, we're starting on a Sunday this year, not Friday, Saturday. So, you know, obviously there's a, a little bit of change in the schedule, but we anticipate great crowds and obviously a lot of smiles and happy faces in the stands. Albert, um, obviously Summer League's huge. Uh, July 6th, I believe, uh, USA begins its uh, 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 workouts here along with the women. Um, there's been a lot of talk with the A's and all these teams coming here in terms of one day in NBA. It's always been kind of on the forefront. Would an NBA team come here? What has been your thoughts about that? Because Summer League's kind of been the, you know, the featured product here in Vegas. How do you think that would work? And do you think this is ever going to happen? You know, I don't, I really don't know. I'm not in those conversations. Um, but, you know, I think what we've done with the Summer League and the, the type of uh, buy-in that the city of Las Vegas has had over the years, I mean, it's positioned itself very well. You're seeing now between the Knights and the soccer teams and the pro lacrosse league being announced, what, what have you, you know, it's proven that, that, Hey, there, there's a viable market there. And, you know, the NBA is always looking at, at different ways to expand or, or increase or improve their product. And I think Vegas has positioned itself very well. So, you know, where, where that stands right now, I can't say, but uh, I think what we've done over the summer league uh, over the last, you know, 18 years, we're, we're essentially that 31st franchise is the way we like to look at each at uh, the summer league, and hopefully that sets a precedent for what could lie ahead. So none of the none of the prospective owners for a team in Las Vegas have called you up to uh, put in a good word for Las Vegas with Adam Silver? No, I'm still waiting for those calls. But, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, as you guys know, and Ed, I know Tyler, you've been out there too, but, you know, Ed, you've seen the growth of this thing over the years, and, and now, I mean, we have all 30 owners there. So they're all at summer league. They're all looking at their teams. You know, it's a great way for them to kind of get a pulse on their rookies, uh, to reconnect with their veterans, obviously evaluate it and talk with their coaches in the off season. So, I mean, they're fully invested in what we do at summer league and, and, you know, they see the viability of Las Vegas. 
I know you guys will do for summer league games, uh, some sudden death overtime, or maybe it's double overtime when it gets there. I'm curious, will the summer league ever uh, put in the Elam ending as like an experimentation for the NBA? You know what? Uh, it's funny you say that because I work with the TBT as well. Oh. And, and, you know, and they're, they're one of the, you know, obviously yeah. the initiators of that process and NBA adopted for uh, the all-star game. But, you know, we, we haven't had that conversation just yet. I mean, I think our biggest thing is really just putting on that NBA type experience. And if that leads to something like an Elam ending, then, you know, I'm sure it'll be considered, but you know, even the summer league rules is something that starts at the league level and there's a lot of vetting process that goes through it. So, We'll see. You never know. You said at the beginning off the top, you know, you're so excited for it to come back and the pandemic and everything that happened. Uh, devil's advocate, could you have survived not having it for the second straight year? How, how, how much could that have hurt if you had to not, if you had to cancel it again? Oh, really tough. Really tough. Uh, you know, we're realists. Um, you know, <laughs> my partner, Warren Legary and I, I mean, we, we operate it. We're small business owners, right? Just like everybody else. We don't have this big umbrella. Um, you know, our parent company. So we felt it immensely in 2020. And um, as a promoter, you know, you're doing everything you can to try to sell tickets and experiences and whatnot. Um, and without that for two years, I mean, that would have been very, very difficult. and not sure we could have managed. I do want to ask you also about the, the 30 owners, because for a long time, the summer league, not every team came out here. There's been some stuff in Salt Lake, stuff in Orlando. Like how, how big of an accomplishment is it for you guys to get all the teams coming to Las Vegas? I mean, it's great. We're, we're really proud of what we've done. I mean, you guys know us. We work really hard. We, uh, we take a lot of pride in that. Um, it, it's, it's always an option for the teams, so there's no doubt. I mean, some teams are still going to play in, in Sacramento and Utah. Um, Orlando's no longer, but at the end of the day, um, you know, there's options. So we want to provide the best possible experience. Obviously, the setting of Las Vegas, great entertainment for your family, for your friends. Um, all the rookies, you know, it's, it's an unbelievable experience for them, for their, their families um, to come out and, and really see this, you know, accomplishment that started at a young age and they finally get there and this is their first NBA experience. So we try to make that as much like an NBA game and it just gives that much more allure to, to the Vegas Summer League versus some of the others, in our opinion. Is it your greatest hope and maybe depression that LeVar Ball doesn't have any more sons because he appeared to be very appeared to be very excited at the summer league and uh, I think at one point he was up on a, some kind of a dais up there and he self built a cardboard boxes. I mean, is this too bad he doesn't have a other son coming on? Hey, you know what? I like the guy. You know what? He, he's he's a proud papa. What, what can you say? We're all flawed in our own ways, but uh, look, the guys. I'm sure he's learned a lot. Um, having three sons that play at that kind of a level. And, and now with Melo being rookie of the year and, and Melo will be back out there again, I can guarantee you. And the bar will be all smiles, but um, you know, look, that's kind of the beauty of summer league though, to be honest with you is to see the characters, to see where these guys come from. It's authentic, you know, and that's why for 40 bucks a day, you get in, you see eight games, you're rubbing elbows with everybody. You know, you can't get that type of an experience anywhere else. And the reason that you know that is because of summer league. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Even as rookie of the year, they might play him again. Would they? Would, I wonder. I wonder I if they. Oh, if they you know, bring I, him. I, I don't foresee him playing. He could, no, but no. you know, he is. I mean, you know, they're they're all in on summer league. Any right. chance to really be there. get pops yeah. out there again? I would. Right. I would highly doubt that they pass that up. So, right. you know, look, we're 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 open to everybody. And as you know, I mean, part of the allure too are the guys. I mean, you see Bradley Beal and the James Harden and the Steph Currys and the Draymond. These guys all come back on their own. 
you know, LeBron shows up every year, uh, you know, and they do that on their own. They love being there. It's their kind of, you know, chance to, to pat the young guys on the butt and say, Hey, good job. Nice job. Here's what you got to do a little bit better. Here's what you got to look out for. And, you know, we welcome those veterans. This is a, it's an unbelievable setting. We're going to try, as you asked earlier, try to keep that as, as similar as possible. But, um, you know, it, we built kind of this unbelievable festival of NBA uh, family, NBA fans, NBA friends, and we want to keep that as authentic as possible. Uh, last night when the draft lottery is done, did you guys lock the Detroit Pistons and Cade Cunningham into one of the first day games? Uh, we're working on that. You know, I'm <laughs> good friends with Dwayne Case. You've known him for 25 years and, you know, shot a, a big congratulatory text and just say, hey, we're, we're open for business, whatever you want to do. But uh, we're excited. I mean, that's a proud franchise that I think a lot of NBA fans just have forgotten, you know, to be honest with you. I mean, depending on how old people are, it's like you remember the Pistons are one of the top teams for, you know, 25 years. So um, it's really great to see their kind of rise coming back and putting a, a little shine on it. Well, he is Albert Hall, again, co-founder of the Summer League. Albert, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Albert. Hey, always, guys. Tickets Appreciate on sale today, 10 a.m. Yep, and we have a pair to give We're away, give a pair right, away now. right now. Thanks, Albert. Thanks, Albert. All right, guys. Thank All you. Right. So here we go. We got summer league tickets. Uh, this is for any day, so I, I don't know exactly how it works, but I assume you get to pick one of the days of the summer league and go out to the summer league. Uh, so before they go on sale, right now, 702-364-1100, you will win two tickets good for any day of the tournament. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number 10 at 702-364-1100 for a pair of tickets to the Summer League. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. DeAndre Ayton gets it to Booker. Booker is pushed and knocked down, and the foul will be on Beverly, which will be his fourth. And Booker's still on the floor. He might have gotten hit in the face. Well, yeah, he, he took a shot to his nose, I yeah. think. Yeah. He, he still is. Uh, yeah, yeah he, oh, he's got a big cut. Yep. And that's from Patrick Beverly. Yeah, he took a pretty good shot. Yep. So a lot of blood in this one now. And uh, Sun's trainer over there. And uh, he's going to need a stitch or two to close that. So we'll see yep. how. That's ooh. above the uh, right nose. nose yeah. yeah, just above the nose. And it was the head of Patrick Beverly. What he likes to use. I knew the game was over, um, but you know we just want to stay composed. You know there's some extra hoorah going on on the court. The plays prior to, you know they're running to our crowd, holding up first team all defense, all that, and you know the game wasn't over. You know so we just we just keep playing through. Um, just like I said, we're on to the next play, and now we're on to the next game. Crowder waiting with it, lobs it underneath. Yes! It's good. DeAndre Ayton scores the basket over the rim and in. DeAndre Ayton put it over the rim and in. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. Ed, while you were watching the Golden Knights uh, fail, to come back and beat the Canadians in the third period. There was a phenomenal ending to the Suns and Clippers I saw in that. game two. It took I've reached, almost I've, an hour. <laughs> I've reached, I, I did see what happened um, when I got home. Uh, I, a couple people actually said this, like, why is it taking so long? Oh, there were a uh, disaster. There were in the, well, I got to find it exactly. In the final uh, three minutes, I think, there were more reviews than made field goals. 
Wow. <laughs> I, I will also say the DeAndre Ayton, like, goes up and puts it in. Incredible play. He stiff-armed the living bleep out of it. Like, he full-on had a handful of jersey and was running a dude into another dude. Are they checking him for stick'em? <laughs> Let's see under your shorts. Yeah. So, the final play, I don't know why anybody's getting credit besides Jay Crowder, who made the pass. Like, people were trying to give Monty Williams credit for drawing up a play. Like, that's one of the most common plays run in basketball when well, there's less what's than your, a second what's 0.9? Yeah. Yeah, because 0.3 is as much as you can get a catch and shoot, right? Right, so you so, could conceivably run Booker to a corner, right, catch and, and shoot. get a shot. But, like, yeah, your center's going to run to the rim, and you're going to throw it up there and hope he tips it in is not, like, some brain buster play. Like, every every college coach runs that who has a guy over 6'10". So, like, it's not like a great play, and it's not even, like, a great finish by Aiton. All you had to do was touch the ball, and it was going in. That's an unbelievable pass by Jay Crowder. And it's a great... Unreal. It's not a great job, from what I saw in the play... Who gets screened? Because that was a situation where he allowed himself to get screened. And by the time he recovered, it was like, well, he's over. But even, but even though Zubac got screened, but right. even though he got screened, if that pass is anywhere but perfect, Zubac gets a hand on right, it. Yeah. Zubac's he's, hand is right, right at there. DeAndre Ayton's yeah. palm. Like, it's right there. If that pass is a little low or a little off to the side, Zubac probably yeah. breaks Zubac it up. Zubac messes it up. Yeah, yeah. but okay. it was a perfect pass, and all DeAndre Ayton had to do was tap it with his fingertips, and it and it goes in. I just I can't get over that he had a fistful of his jersey and ran him the opposite direction. That's how you take. That's how you run off a screen. It's perfect. That's how they teach it. Grab the jersey, run into your guy, and it's perfect. It'll be I, wonderful. I don't think Josh Jacobs has had a stiff arm that effective <laughs> well, in like two years. Alec that, Ingle probably that has. play is. Getting a tetted credit to where you almost forget Paul George missed two oh free throws. Oh my God, he missed two free throws. Play out Paul. Play so, out Paul. It was so good. Play out Paul. I can't believe it. Like Paul George, I mean, he can score sixty points, yeah. and the last minute or two, he's going to do something throws. like that, and that's he's he's never going to change his narrative because no. he pandemic he had, P. Okay, <laughs> of all these reviews, right? The the one that gave the Clippers those free throws while up a point was. Patrick Beverly stripped the ball out of Devin Booker's hand off the dribble, and they go to review, and oh, it came off of Devin and who, Booker's. Who would it went off of? Off his fingertips last. So, was it a good call? Well, I mean, it was the right call. But right, the right call. Right, right okay. but it's annoying in the fact that Beverly knocks it out of his hands, but because it hit off Booker's fingertip right, last. Right, their ball. Right, so the, the, right, the Suns have the ball down one with 10 seconds to go, but all of a sudden now the Clippers so have, have foul. it. And they foul Paul George. He missed both free throws. Both of them. If he makes either one. Well, if he makes either one, you're going overtime. Place in the overtime. If he yeah. makes both, then they have to throw it to Devin Booker or somebody in the corner to chuck up a three with .9 left. And the Clippers win the game. But he missed both. Again, again, he can score 60 points in a game. But until he actually makes a play in the final minute of a close game he's to not help his ball. team win, he's playoff P, pandemic yeah. P, whatever you want to call him. He's. We talked to uh, JVT about it yesterday. He's not shaking the narrative. He great. He played well for five games. He's the reason that they got here so far. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. You miss it, those two free throws. That's the narrative. It's genuinely one of my favorite things is when he was with the Pacers, he missed a game winner in the first round of the playoffs. And the very first commercial was a Gatorade commercial where he makes a game winner. <laughs> and it was, yeah, no, he's not doing that. Uh, so this is obviously a work of fiction. It's the only game winner he's ever made. Yeah, you can't. Uh... And they had to take 17 takes on it. Um, <laughs> cut! Cut! Action. Um, yeah, you can't. I we'll mean, fix it in post! 
You can't miss both. You, you got to at least make one, and then, of course, you're going overtime, and you have a shot. But And it's Paul George, who's a good free throw shooter. No, yeah, exactly. This not, wasn't Giannis ben Simmons ben isn't Simmons. at the line. <laughs> Paul George is I mean, a good free throw shooter. He's a great shooter. You have but to make one. Ten seconds left. That means Paul George is terrible Man. at the sport of basketball all of a sudden. So the Suns have won nine in a row. And the Clippers are now down 0-2 in a series again. They're they're not coming back from no. this one, right? No, I we said yesterday the only way was Kawhi. I think Kawhi's done for the year. I don't think he's coming back. And if he's not coming back, they have no chance. I mean, yeah. obviously, because we've talked about it a lot. Where and you've talked about it, like the really good teams, like Middleton and Milwaukee. Whoever you, you, I mean, Paul George is a two. He just is. He's not. He's not Kawhi Leonard. Right. So if your one's missing him, I was telling my son, I say, if Paul George has to be your one. You're not beating them in that series. I don't even know if you're beating them if Kawhi comes back because you know how healthy he'll be or whatever. I mean, you'll give him a little spark, but no, I think the Suns are going to be in the NBA Finals. They're, they're going to get Chris and be Paul fun. back. And <laughs> yeah, and CP3's coming back, so they'll be fun to watch in the NBA Finals. They're fun to watch. Yeah, no, they are. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. So, okay, they go down 3-1, come back and win the last three games of the first round, right? Or down two, excuse me. They're down two one. Come back and win the last three Clippers? games yeah. against the Lakers. No, no, the the Suns. Okay, down two one. They win the, the last Lakers, three yeah. against yeah, the yeah. Lakers. Sweep the sweep, second round. Sweep now over. up two zero. They've won nine in a row. Yeah. And without Kawhi, they're going back to LA, and it's not like the Clippers. I they, think Clippers they go back close. and split and probably win in five. But like, there's a chance they're on like an eleven game winning streak, yeah. or maybe eleven and twelve going into the well, NBA finals. If Kawhi doesn't play in three, and they lose three. They probably swoop because at that point, the Clippers, right. when you keep having to come back from two, it's one thing. You're down 3-0 without Kawhi, then yeah. that's, that's packing yeah, it no, in. You're going on vacation. Yeah, nobody's come back. Right. Them. And if you're Kawhi, even if you're ready to play Well, that's the thing. Does he even, at this point, come back? Yeah. If they go down 3-0, no. No, I he's mean, not coming back at 3-0. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't think he's coming back. I think, you know, the whole sprained knee and everything, and which means he won't play in the Olympics again. Um, yeah, there's just uh, – Clippers are fun to watch. I mean, if you ask me the final I want, I want Trey Young against the Clippers. Oh, excuse me, against the Suns. I want the Suns against Trey Young. I think it'd be hilarious. Hell of an NBA Finals. The Suns and Ratings (laughs) 0.8.